Well, hello and welcome to Church Online. I'm so glad you're part of today's online experience. Pastor Brendan Doss has already said it, but if you're our guest, thank you for being a part of Church Online with us today. I'm really excited to share today's word with you. It is a standalone message, which just simply means it's not connected to a series of messages that make up a message series. We just concluded a series called Cultivate, talking about how we as individuals living our lives on purpose every day Coming together collectively, we make up what the church is, the church of Cultivate Church here locally. We're part of the kingdom, the bigger church, where all the believers across the world living our lives on purpose makes a difference and makes heaven a bigger place. And so if you missed that series, I encourage you to go online at cultivatechurch.tv or you can check it out through the church app. You can watch it through YouTube. All the places through social media, you can check out the message series. And then next week, we begin a brand new series called The Good Book. And we're going to be talking about the greatest book ever written, the book that has sold more copies than any other in history, and it's the book of the Bible. We're going to be talking about the Bible, the validity of the Bible, how to study the Bible, what the Bible says to you, and what the Bible says for you. It's going to be a great series, and I encourage you to be a part of that either in person or online with us beginning next Sunday. Today, I have a message that I just want to share from you from my heart that's burning inside of me that I hope would encourage all of us wherever we are in whatever journey that we're on. I hope that this encourages you spiritually. I hope it encourages you physically, mentally, relationally in every area of your life. I titled your message today, Until the Fat Lady Sings. Many of you have probably heard that statement at some time in your life. I know growing up, that's a statement that we would say a lot. It's not over until the fat lady sings. Now, I know it's 2021, and we have, uh, we're, we're a little more careful with the words that we use today. Fat is probably not an appropriate term. Now, when I was a, a teenager and I gained weight, my mom would say, baby, you're not fat, you're just husky. So maybe it's not over until the husky lady sings. Or maybe the term big bone. You've heard that? I'm just big bone. Uh, it's not over until the big bone lady sings. Now, I'm not here to discuss today uh, the verbiage that we use, but the meaning behind the message is it's not over until it's over. That term was actually derived from don't presume the ending while the show is still in progress. In the opera, traditionally, they would say it's not over. This production, this show, has not reached the conclusion until the lady at the end comes and sings the big song, presents the big notes, the big overwhelming experience. It's not over until the fat lady sings. And I'm afraid that many of us who are believers, I believe that many of us are concluding our race before we reach the finish line. I believe that we have presumed the ending before the show is over. Jesus told us a warning when he told us that there will be many people who will call on my name, there will be many people who will do great things in my name. Yet on that final day, Jesus says that he will say to those many, Depart from me, for I never knew you. You see, I believe as believers today, we can't presume 
that we already know the end while the show is still in progress. And today I want to teach us how to endure until the end. I want to look at the scripture today and I want to bring you the context of today's message in three things, three examples of three different types of people that the Bible gives us and I believe unlocks some of the secrets to enduring, to making it through to the end, to being faithful in the things that God has called us to do. Look at it with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. It says this. It says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Paul of the New Testament is writing to his spiritual son Timothy. And he's given him some instruction, some wisdom on how to endure until the end. Do not presume the ending while the show is still in progress. Here's the secret to how you endure. Paul gives us the example of the life of three different individuals. Paul gives us, uh, first of all, the, the perspective of a soldier. Then he begins to talk to us from the perspective of an athlete. And then he gives us the perspective of a farmer. And I believe that all three of these things actually unlock some wisdom for us on how to endure, how to remain faithful, how to stay until the production or the song is over. So how do we last until the fat lady sings? Today, I want to talk to us about how to endure and walk in faithfulness. So let's pray together so we're prepared for God's message. Father, I love you. Thank you for all of my friends watching online. I thank you for your word that directs us, that corrects us, and encourages us. It motivates us, God, and I pray that the word would do that for us today. I pray right now, God, that it would just uh, speak to us, that you would open our ears to hear you, open our mind, we understand you, and our hearts that we retain you. And what you do today, that we're not just hearers, but we're doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing I want you to write down today, if you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, is that soldiers are not distracted. How do we endure? How do we stay faithful? How do we make it to the end? How do we not presume that it has concluded while the show is still in progress? Well, soldiers, Paul says, are not distracted. Look at it again with me in 2 Timothy 2.4. He says, soldiers, don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Now I want you to notice Paul gives us three different people involved in the scripture. First of all, he says, soldiers, people who have been enlisted, people who were called to something greater not the civilians, that we have soldiers and we have civilians and then we have the enlisting officer. Did you know that every one of us who are following Jesus, we are soldiers? We are, as I used to sing in, in kids' church, I'm in the Lord's army. 
I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, I'm in the Lord's army. It was one of those songs that we would sing that told us how you've been enlisted to something greater than yourself. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually teaches us that we're at war every single day. That we're at battle between the flesh and the spirit, between sin and righteousness, in God's way and the devil's way, in my own desire within my sinful self and then the desire of God that is living in me. Every day... We are warring against the darkness of the enemy. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It is his job to attack you and to war against you and to fight against you every day. I recognize that there are circumstances in our life, some that people have caused, some that I have caused, and some that are just circumstantial. They're just going to happen. We live in a sin-fallen world. But never forget that the very foundation of fear and fractures and failures that come in your life, they come from the very root of the enemy himself battling and warring against you. Do not forget that you are a soldier enlisted into a battle, a battle for eternity, a battle for your soul, a battle for the very presence and the power of God to carry out the potential of God that is in your life. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of the civilian life. In other words, the civilian life is very different from a soldier's life. A soldier carries more responsibility. A soldier has a more disciplined way of living. A soldier has greater risk and greater reward. A soldier not only battles for himself and for his own life and for his own protection and for his own well-being, but a soldier is battling for every one of us in whom he or she is serving for. Every one of us who are following Jesus we're not to get caught up in the lives of civilians, in the things of civilians. We're to think like soldiers because we're not battling just for ourselves. Oh, no. We represent the very kingdom of heaven, the very Son of God, and we battle not only for our well-being spiritually but for those who are around us who do not know. Therefore, we don't get distracted by the things of this world that want to hold us back, tie us down, and keep us from our purpose, because if we get distracted, we cannot please the officer who enlisted us. Do you know who enlisted you? Do you know who your great officer is? It is Jesus Christ himself. He has enlisted you. He has called you. He has saved you. He has forgiven you. If you're watching or listening today and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus and you don't feel like you've been called yet, well, let me tell you, right now, the very presence of God, Jesus himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is calling you into a relationship with him. He wants to enlist you as a soldier into the army of the Lord. But distractions, distractions will get us every time. Listen, I get distracted as a pastor. Uh, one of the, I guess, the most funny things after the fact is the distractions that come when I'm standing on a platform speaking like this to people who are out there in front of me. Now, right now, I'm speaking to you directly as you're online. And in this room that I'm filming, there's things all around me that could try to get my attention and try to steal uh, my focus from you. They tried to distract. Just last Wednesday night, I spoke to our student ministry. Um, and uh, I love speaking to our teenagers. And we have a room full of teenagers across the auditorium. And then in the back, I noticed the little pocket of adults that are sitting back there. There are worship team and some of our media team, people who are there serving and facilitating. 
our youth night. And as I'm speaking and I'm sharing the gospel and I'm pouring my heart out to these kids and I notice that the adults over there are laughing. And I don't know why they're laughing and I'm beginning to get self-conscious as I'm talking because I'm thinking, did I say something wrong? Did I say something uh, sort, of, sort of dumb? Did I say something inappropriate? Did I say something that wasn't uh, spiritually uh, founded? I mean, what did I do? I'm starting to kind of worry and I can't stop because I'm addressing these kids. And after church, I said, hey, guys, what, what are you laughing at? What is happening back there? Because I had this division, this distraction that's happening in front of me. And they said, you didn't see it? And I said, no, what are you talking about? Somebody please just tell me. And they said, please tell me you saw the kid sniffing his shoe. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? And they said, there was a kid sitting right in the middle, and he had his shoe, and he was sticking it in his face, his nose in his shoe, and just sniffing his shoe. They were losing it laughing at this student. They actually took a picture of it so that I could see it. And when I saw it, then I began laughing. And as I'm standing there, I'm so distracted thinking, well, is my zipper down? Did I do something wrong? What is happening? There's distractions everywhere. You get up every day and you try to live your life and you say, today's my day. I'm going to live my life on purpose. I'm going to serve God the best I can. But you struggle with distraction. Media, social media, it's one of the biggest distractions we have in our life. We, this social media stuff, it's, it's only a decade or so old. This is new stuff. We're navigating this as a culture for the first time where everybody has the internet in their pocket, where we're so connected. We've never navigated that as a culture, and we're not doing very good because it's distracting every one of us. Did you know that the average person unlocks their cell phone 150 times a day? That you pick up your phone to unlock it, to check something, to do something where it is grabbing your attention? 75% of us, are you ready for this? 75% of us use our cell phones on the toilet. We can't even go to the bathroom without taking our phones. Guilty. Can't even go and, 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 and use the restroom without taking our cell phone with us. One in four people, 25% of Americans say, they wake up in the middle of the night to use their cell phone. One out of four people. 25% of people are waking up. They can't even get a good night's rest because they are distracted by what is happening on that digital device. We have to fight in order to stay focused. Distractions, did you know, are the devil's detours? Did you know that? See, if the devil can't make you bad, the devil will make you busy. He will try to distract and divide your attention any way he can because he knows if he can distract or divide then he can get you away from your greatest purpose maybe write this down this reference in Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42 we see a lady named Martha who is distracted this lady named Martha invited Jesus into her home and when she invited Jesus into her home she got very distracted at preparing a meal planning the, the proper presentation for Jesus in the home. But her sister, now her sister Mary, we, you know, she sat at the feet of Jesus. Jesus was in the room, and she was sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha was not happy about it. She said, Jesus, will you tell her to get up and to help me? I need her to come in the kitchen, not to sit in here with you. And Jesus said, I'm not going to tell her that. She's found the greatest thing, and I won't take it away from her. I'm telling you, it's very easy for us to be in the presence of Jesus and, 
and to be so busy doing all the things that we do that we miss out on the very presence, the very power, and the very potential of Jesus in our life. It's very possible that we've prayed a prayer and that we go to our church and we serve in our church and maybe we know a Bible verse and maybe we have good intentions to read our Bible and maybe we know a worship song, but it's not a part of our everyday worship life. Maybe we have all these good intentions, but we're just distracted and so we miss the presence of Jesus. See, maybe what you're calling an opportunity, God calls a distraction. See, Martha, she was, well, she was distracted. Mary saw the opportunity and took it. Martha, doing nothing wrong, her heart was to serve, her heart was to prepare. She wanted to serve Jesus, love on Jesus, and take care of Jesus. But she saw that as an opportunity, but really it was a distraction. Just because you could doesn't mean you should. We have to learn to say no to some things in our life. And so I want to ask you this question, what distractions are detouring your divine destiny? I'll ask you that again. What distractions are detouring your divine destiny? How do you overcome distractions in your life? I want you to write down this thought. Here's your application. How do I, how do I get rid of the distractions? You need to delete the distractions. To, to rid your life, to free yourself of all the distractions, you need to delete the distractions. You need to take inventory of everything in your life right now that is taking you away instead of pushing you closer. You see, if it is, if it is repelling, if it is removing, it, if it is literally hindering your growth and your walk and your relationship with God, if that's not first, see, Jesus said, hey, it's, it's, it's God Seek the kingdom of God. Seek the things of God. Seek him first and then everything else will be added unto you. Unfortunately, in our culture, because of the distractions, we do everything else and then we try to squeeze in a little bit of time for the Lord. You see, seek him first. Don't be distracted. A soldier doesn't get caught up in civilian life. Because if he does, he cannot please the officer who enlisted him. We talked about our cell phones. You know, your cell phones have, they have app timers. You can actually set restrictions on the amount of time you spend on a certain app. There are screen uh, time and app limits that you can set to control the distractions from your device. I speak to you today using a tablet. My tablet has the ability for a focus mode, which means I put it in focus mode and I determine what applications can can communicate while I'm using this in focus mode. In other words, I don't get text messages. I don't get email notifications. I don't get social media notifications. I don't get anything besides the notes and the scriptures that I'm using for you today. Why? Because I eliminated distractions. I am in focus mode. Delete the distractions of your life. Take inventory today, this week. Think about the things that are distracting you the most. Because soldiers, Paul tells Timothy, don't get distracted. Number two, this is important to understand, athletes are not disqualified. Athletes are not disqualified. 
How do you make it until the end? How do you live a long life and see it through until the end, until Jesus takes us to be with him? How do we make it and stay a believer, stay a Christian, stay dedicated? Well, athletes, Paul said, are not disqualified. Look at it with me. 2 Timothy 2 and 5 says, And athletes cannot win. Underline the word win. Athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. This is important to understand. This is a very, 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 very important scripture. Many of us are under the cultural opinion that all I have to do is say yes to Jesus, pray that prayer, maybe shed a tear, and then I'm good. That's it. That's just the beginning. That is not the end. You cannot presume the end while the show is still in progress. No, not until the fat lady sings. The athlete cannot be disqualified. An athlete cannot win. Your goal should be to win. As a believer, what is the win? The win is this, is that you stay true to Jesus, you live the life of the calling that he has given to us, and we take as many people to heaven with us as possible. That is the win. But we cannot win if we don't follow the rules. There are rules. The Bible gives us rules. Sin disqualifies us. If we don't live to the standard of God's word, we will not win. We will be disqualified. Now, there is grace. I know Jesus is forgiving. He is loving. And thank God he is so patient and he is so kind. But grace, the Bible teaches us, is not an excuse to continue in sin. If you know you sin and you continue to do it, well, the Bible says there is no other sacrifice for it. Jesus has already died for our forgiveness, but you can't continue to live in something but also embrace the forgiveness of Jesus. That's not a repentant heart. You're, you're there, I'm not a sports fan. Many of you know me. You know I'm not a sports fan. I don't do sports. I don't follow sports. I have no desire to. But I remember some of the most uh, high-profile sports stories back in the day. They were like they was something all the time of people being disqualified. I remember Deflate Gate. You remember that in 2015? where uh, the Patriots got in trouble for deflating the football. Now, if the football is deflated just a little bit, it's easier to handle, it's easier to throw, it's easier to catch, and they got in trouble for deflate gate. They were fined, many players didn't get signed. It was a big, big deal. I remember the Lance Armstrong deal, where he was using uh, performance-enhancing drugs and for years had lied about it and denied it, saying he didn't do that until... It was found out, someone told, and finally he came clean, and now his record, his legacy has been tarnished because of that. One of the all-time biggest was the Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding fiasco. You remember when Tanya Harding had someone uh, uh, hit Nancy Kerrigan in the knee with a club? I mean, to take her out? I mean, she was so bent on winning that she disqualified herself. Many of us... We want to win, but we want to take shortcuts. We want to do it both ways. We want to take the easy route, but I want to warn you today, you, you can't do it that way. Athletes are not disqualified. You have to follow the rules if you're going to win. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says this, Don't you realize in a race everyone runs? This is Paul. But only one person gets the prize, so run to win. 
All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, listen to this, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. What an incredibly challenging passage of Scripture. Throughout that passage, you notice Paul says, I discipline myself to make myself do what it doesn't naturally want to do. But I'm so afraid that after doing all of this for the Lord that I may still be disqualified if I don't follow the rules. How do you do that? How do you become an athlete to train yourself? I know you may be like me and you're going, I'm not an athlete, but spiritually you're an athlete. You may not be a soldier in the army of, of the, the U.S. Army, but you're a soldier in Christ. Today, you may not be an athlete running uh, a race or, or playing a game, but you are an athlete training for this marathon of the Christian life. So how do we do it? Well, I want you to write these down. These are extra. The first thing I want you to know is there is a standard. you got to know it and you got to live it. That's his way. There is a standard. You see, we empty ourselves to make more room for him. That's the standard. We empty ourselves to make more room for Him. In other words, we empty ourselves of the pleasures of this world. We empty ourselves of the passions of this world. We empty ourselves of the positions of this world. Whatever it is that we are chasing, that we are looking for, running this race, we have to empty ourselves and replace it with the standard of living that he calls us to. If the Bible says it, it's true. I conform my life to the Word of God. I do not ask the Word of God to conform to me. That's how we win this race and we're not disqualified. The second thing I want you to know is that there is sacrifice involved in that. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Cross was not a pretty necklace. It was not decorative. A cross was a torture device. People gave their lives. Their lives were taken. They were punished on a cross. Jesus died for us on a cross. And he says, we must pick up our cross and follow him. In other words, there is sacrifice involved. It's not always easy. Don't take the shortcut. Don't bail out when it gets difficult. Don't panic. Don't give up. You have to stay the course. You have to stay committed. You have to discipline yourself to follow the standards of God's Word so that you're not disqualified. And then three, I need you to know this, there's a system to be more like Christ. There's a system. Jesus calls us to repentance. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And then Jesus calls us to discipleship, becoming like him. I make him my Lord. And then Jesus calls us to take everything that we have and all that we are, and we give our lives away for the sake of other people. There is a way. There's a structure. So soldiers, listen, they don't get distracted. Look, athletes, look, they don't get disqualified. And then number three, farmers are not discouraged. The third person that Paul talks about is a farmer, and this is what he says. A hard-working, underline that word, hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. 
The word hardworking is important right here because it says hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Farmers have a very difficult job. It's not easy to be a farmer. It's, it's difficult when you're out there working day in, day out tirelessly. It is hot and you're battling all of the elements. There are so many things that are out of your control in trying to produce something literally from the ground up. Farmers are known for hard work. They're known for being strong and tough and enduring. They're known for lasting. And they just don't get discouraged that whatever happens, they can't control the rain. They cannot literally make it rain. They can't control the weather. They can't control the season. They have to work with all the resources they have, doing what they can with what they have in order to produce what has been planted. Many of us have planted some things. You've planted some faith. You've planted some hope. You've planted some financial seeds. You've planted some relational seeds. You are doing everything you know to do, but yet you are discouraged. You have prayed and you feel like giving up. You have asked God. You feel like giving up. You have given and you feel like giving up. You have served and you feel like giving up. You have done all the things and it is so easy for us to get discouraged. But Paul is instructing Timothy saying, hey, look, hardworking farmers, they don't give up. They're not discouraged. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, throughout this verse, Paul talks to us about some of the pressures and trials that he lived under. And he gave some little action words there. He said, he said we live in trouble. He said, we're perplexed. He said, we were hunted down. We were knocked down. We were in constant danger of death. That's how Paul describes the life he's living. How can you live that way and not be discouraged? How can you live that way and not give up? I look at Paul's life who is writing this to us today, and I think, Paul, how did you do it, man? How did you survive this? How did you get through to the end after all the stuff you're going through? Look at the description. Constant trouble, perplexed, you're hunted down, you're knocked down, you're in constant danger of literal death, and yet you're writing to us about a farmer who doesn't get discouraged. How do you make it? How do you do it? Well, he said, we're not crushed. He said, we're not abandoned. We're not destroyed. He said, we're renewed daily. Every day, God's doing something inside of us to encourage us. In other words, God is the, is the source of their strength. They literally let Jesus be their supply. Today I want to ask you this question, what is the supply? Where are you drawing from? What is your source of strength? What is the, the source of your hope? What is the source of your joy? And if you're looking at it in the artificial things of this world, the world cannot give what the world does not have. Only Jesus is able to supply every need of your life. So how do you overcome the discouragement of your life? I'll give you four ways to do it. Number one, you need to rest. You need to learn the principle of rest. God, the creator of the entire world, after creation, what did he do? He rested. Six days you work, and on the seventh day you rest. Work is good for us. We're supposed to work. We were created to work. But we also need to learn to rest. I fear that many of us have not learned to really rest. I want to be careful here because I'm not saying it's all bad. But we have so many crutches that we lean on. We have medications. We have so many uh, uh, substitutes for true rest. 
Not that all of it is bad. But when we're leaning into everything more than we're leaning into the presence of God to supply us the rest, we're out of alignment. And we need to go back and allow God to realign us. Give rest for your soul. Give rest for your spirit. Give rest for your mind. God, give people rest today because we need to rest. And then I would say you need to reorganize some things. You need to go back to your life and you need to reorganize some things so that you can rest, so that you will not be discouraged. Reorganize some relationships. Reorganize your time. Reorganize your priorities. Reorganize some things so that you can focus on your well-being, so that you don't live in a state of discouragement. The third thing I would say is you need to remember some things. Remember God's promises. you got a whole book of them in the Bible. We're going to talk about it next week. Remember God's promises. Remember God's faithfulness. All the times that God has showed up for you. Remember God's goodness. Remember everything that God has done, that God has said, and that God has available for you. And it will encourage you. You won't live in a state of discouragement. And the fourth thing, the last, is you need to resist. You need to resist. Resist the enemy. Resist the discouragement. Don't allow it in the house. Don't invite it in and let it sit down and then put its feet up and not leave when it's time to go. Discouragement, once it comes, it'll lay on you like a heavy blanket. And it'll curl up and it'll stay longer than you ever intended for it to stay. Farmers, they just get out there every day and they work hard and they do all they can with what they have. And the rest, they have to leave it up the Lord. We plant the seed, but it is God that brings the harvest. Plant and rest and allow God to grow it so that you don't live in a state of discouragement. Today, I want to tell you one more time, it is not over until the fat lady sings. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. The things that you know to do that God has called us to, you continue to to do it. Listen, Paul gave us some great instruction right here from 2 Timothy. Look, soldiers, what what happened with the soldiers? The soldiers are not distracted. They don't get caught up in civilian life. Athletes, because they train and they're disciplined, they're not disqualified. And the farmers, because of the hard work they put in, hey, they're not discouraged. And that's my prayer for you today. My prayer is that every single one of us would be able to make it through from the beginning all the way until the end. And I want to pray that for you today. Wherever you are, will you bow your heads? I want to pray for you today. If you're here, you're watching, and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, today's your day. I pray that you just lean into it today, that you know that in this moment, Jesus is calling you. He wants relationship with you so that you can make it through until the end. And so I want to pray for you today. And then maybe you're watching online today and you find yourself like one of these and maybe you're distracted. Maybe you find yourself today walking a fine line of disqualification. Maybe you're walking through discouragement today. I want to pray for you that God would help you to overcome any one of these areas of your life. So Jesus, I pray for all of my friends today. If anybody needs a relationship with you, I pray that today would be our moment. We confess that we're sinners. We understand you died on the cross today uh, for us today, and we receive it. Jesus, we ask you for forgiveness. We receive that forgiveness, and we give our life over to you. Thank you for loving us. 
And thank you for saving us today. And I pray for all of my friends. I pray that people who are distracted would turn their attention back to what matters. I pray that people today who are walking a fine line of disqualification, God, that they would turn back to the things of you. I pray for people who are discouraged that they would be encouraged today and that you would reach them right where they are. I pray for every one of us that we could all be who you've called us to be, to live the life on purpose that you've called us to live so that we can make heaven a bigger place through the life that we live. In Jesus' name, amen.